Hello and welcome yet again to another episode of Happy Hour Live with Brian Rosen. We are not live, we are not an hour, but we are indeed happy. And today I have a guest and this guest is exactly what I think the doctor ordered in terms of what all suppliers need. Bridget McCabe, Director of Growth Marketing at MHW, is on the show, Graham. Nice to see you. So much for having me, Brian. You got it. You got it. And full disclosure, we work together, so there'll be all softball pitches here. But tell me about, Bridget, in your opinion, why marketing is so critical for brands. Good question. I think in terms of brands, whether you're starting out or you are an existing brand, there is so much critical mass that needs to be gained and there's a lot of competition out there. So it's really important that no matter where any brand is at any stage of their growth cycle, that they are consistently acting on every single paid, earned, shared, or owned channel. Um, and I think that looks a little bit different for every single brand, depending on who they are. But at the end of the day, if you look at marketing, it's just storytelling. So every brand has that story to tell. What's their point of difference? And if you're not actively out there promoting and engaging with your consumers, then you're not going to be able to, to get to where you need to go. It's funny you, you use the word storytelling. We talk a lot about storytelling at Bevstrat. Um, and the business in and of itself talks a lot about storytelling. The independent brand, in our opinion, doesn't really have the marketing muscle to compete with the biggest players in the planet. It just doesn't, right? So study after study has shown that the consumer will buy a story and they don't want to be bullshitted. So do you feel, Bridget, that story over quality, story over price, story over value? How does story for the brands that, that listen to this podcast, and we had last week, we hit 31,000 downloads. Um, how, how do, how does, why should they get their story out there? And, and what is the consumer looking for from a, from a poll strategy as far as story is concerned? I think story over price is a definite. Um, having worked for Purity Vodka, which um, at the time that I worked for it a few years ago was we priced at about, definitely worked for us and you did a great job. Um, but we were priced at about $40 for a 750 and in the ultra premium vodka space, that's quite a bit. So it's really important, I think, to not necessarily factor your pricing as much into what your brand story is. I think it's really about the quality of what you're telling. So for us at the time at Purity, it was about the fact that we were the most award-winning, best tasting vodka. And that was sort of our point of difference coming out. There's a lot of brands that are supporting more of the craft space within Mexico, whether it's tequilas or mezcals, and they're talking about the actual people and the communities that are making it. I think there's a few different ways that you can go, but you really need to kind of marry to what your story it is, if it's the craft story, if it's the exceptional taste story, if it's the people, the distillery, and really sort of play that up because, you know, there's a chance that your consumers are only seeing you once or twice if you are a small brand. So it has to come across 
very strongly and it has to be consistent so that if they are seeing you multiple times, like Tito's is a great example of this, they know exactly what that story is. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. We, I talk a lot about Jägermeister being the worst brand with the best marketing. You know, they, Sidney Frank was the, the marketing guru there and he would parade scantily clad women around college campuses and Jägermeister became, which by the way, is probably illegal now, but back in the day, Jägermeister became the, sh the shot of choice if you're doing shots in a bar. And then that the college- same, The same thing for Red Bull. Right, Absolutely. 100%. And, and that shot, that person who took that shot eventually graduated. And they then that shot then went from Champaign-Urbana, University of Illinois, to Lincoln Park, Chicago, where all the Big Ten folks went to, went to reside post-college. And then it went to the suburbs where they went to reside when they started to settle down. And that is marketing. Story, in our opinion, or in my opinion, I guess, and I would ask for your support here, is the more of this product was made because of. And I think that's really compelling. When you look at retailers and on-premise and off-premise accounts, they've got choice. So how important, Bridget, do you feel that being able to communicate that story as a supplier in 25 seconds is to building a brand or is it just a sale happens where price meets value? My opinion, the storytelling is critical. I do think you will have those edge cases where someone is price shopping. If they, you know, happen to be that consumer that doesn't necessarily, you know, follow the alcohol industry as closely, it might be something that the bigger players, the Diageos and the Pernos do kind of win at in that case, because they have out of home, they do have, you know, all these different avenues where if someone's able to think of the brand in their mind and they are at a bar and they're sort of in that two second necessity for knowing what they want to order, then they might say, okay, I know that, um, that this is the, the brand that I'm going to order because I've seen or heard about it. But I think that's a very small part of the mix and that's not necessarily a consumer that a brand would be looking to get after anyway. So I do think for the folks that are interested in the actual spirit or the wine or the beer that they're ordering, which is a huge amount of people. I think that, you know, the numbers really go to show that people are getting more and more savvy about what they're drinking and they actually care about the backstory. I think it just has to be creative and communicated in a very succinct way. Like you mentioned, a lot of times you only have maybe one social media post to get across to them, or you might have 25 seconds to catch their attention. So the creative element and the graphic element of it is something that I'm very interested in, I think is extremely important because there's a lot graphically that you can tell about a brand that you might not even be able to convey within the copy or the text. So doing a, uh, doing a swath of our listeners, which I do, um, we've got 80% suppliers, 5% distributors and 5% homeless. And the, the suppliers on here, and it, we get in comments and I get, uh, I guess this is the wrong phrase, but 
sliding into my DMs and saying, um, hey, can you, what do you think about this? Can you help me with that? So, I, so you are an expert marketer. You market for MHW, you're head of growth marketing. Who, and so, and I know you're, you're, you're newly placed in your role. So um, again, these are, I, I don't want to dig too deep here. Um, who does it right? From a brand perspective, who should suppliers look to as an example of communication to the customer? One category that I have seen tremendous growth in, as I think we all have, is ready-to-drinks or canned wines. Those are two huge categories. And I just have to reference Babe Wine because I think that you know, prior to coming on board at MHW, I was at a celebrity dermatologist practice. Um, you know, in between Purity Vodka and here, I did take a break to kind of join the healthcare and derm space. Wait, I have to stop and you. I, I have to stop you. What is a celebrity dermatologist? That means you only, <laughs> you only, so there's two ways for that to go. Does it mean you only work on celebrities or that the dermatologist themselves is the celebrity? A little bit of both. We don't only, we didn't only work on celebrities, but we had a very high population of celebrities, politicians, CEOs. Can you, um, fix, you, can know. you fix this? And I'm referencing my face. You really don't need anything. I have oh, to be honest kind. with you. You look great. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, is it, for the, by the way, this will be on YouTube so you can judge for yourself and I'm going to turn the comments <laughs> off. I will turn the comments off for, for some of my, uh, some of the haters, but go on. There you go. Um, but I think like in terms of juxtapositioning that experience to here, one thing that I consistently saw was that the beauty industry really does a fantastic job with influencer storytelling and particularly with like millennials and Gen Z, anyone who's kind of coming out from that age gate of 21 plus, they are on social media for, I think it's like four plus hours a day. It's pretty crazy what the data shows. And I really think that Babe Wine has done a great job because it's not just taken folks that are, you know, really interested in wine or canned wine, but it's opened it up to a broader audience. Um, specifically, I saw it everywhere in terms of beauty influencers. And that was pretty rare because to be honest with you, I follow a couple different pockets mm -hmm. um, of sort of, you know, niches. And I know that Facebook and Instagram really sort of tampers advertising as it relates to alcohol. So that is one, you know, thing that brands have to watch for. But Babe did an awesome job at like organic placement. Um, you know, anytime that there was a bachelorette party of well-known influencers, the fat Jewish, who is an Instagram influencer himself, would just send them a case. Like their team was just on the ground and knew exactly what was happening in so many different markets to be able to seed product for these events that they knew were going to be photo worthy and out there. And so I just think in terms of storytelling, you knew exactly what Babe's position was on it. And it really leveraged some of the existing channels in a way where I'm sure they didn't have, you know, a crazy budget. They weren't like a Diageo brand or anything like that at the time, but they used organic placement really, really well. It, well, yeah, but we have to, it helped a lot that it's Emily Ratajkowski. It helped a lot that it was the fat Jew. Mm -hmm. um, it helped a lot that, that, I mean, you, you from Emily perspective, girls want to be here. Guys want to date her from the fat Jew. The guys want to hang out with him and girls want right. to hang out with him because he's super fun. 
right? That's true. And so when you look at social media profiles, there are, it's funny, there's a lot of brands that get it right. There are a lot of brands that get it wrong and it's still all kind of noisy because there's 50,000 brands registered for colas in the US and there's 500 to 1,000 that count for repetitive skew velocity. So that leaves 49,000 or or some grotesque number um, to uh, fend for themselves, to, to fend for shelf space. And I will only add that shelf space is finite. There's 44 linear feet inside a store. When you create a new brand, you don't create a new drinker. You have to have a steel share. When you, when you create a new brand, you're not, you've got to replace something on the shelf. So oftentimes it's done socially. And I follow not only all our clients socially, but I follow the people who follow them socially. So I create this kind of tree. And when I look at suppliers and I would, and, and please stop my rambling, when I look at suppliers that create posts that are non-correlated to real world, Ferraris, Porsches, jumping out of a plane, private jets, um, as opposed to... Yeah, I, uh, I would agree with that. I yeah. do think that it can't be too... I mean, there are some influencers that have that brand and people still love it. But, you know, to be honest with you, I feel like the poll for Babe wasn't necessarily, and I love Emily. Um, I don't think the poll was necessarily her. It may have started out the fat Jewish that gave the initial exposure. But I have to say, it was really the fact that like, oh, you knew that girl, those girls in your sorority or, you know, those were, you know, some of your coworkers and they're at the party and they have Babe wine. And that's, no, 100%. Who they're, that's what they're partying with. So I think, I think any brand can really emulate this model, but it really requires that sort of like organic seeding. And the interesting thing is there's a lot of softwares out there that allow you to do this, but I am the one of the marketers that does not like to utilize that because I think you lose a lot of control of your brand. So I think- There's if you a lot have of software that does what? that allows you to, it gives you influencer lists and you can contract, uh, you know, uh, placements yeah. through that. I'm not the biggest fan of that. Cause I think even though you can increase volume of it, when you can actually as a brand owner or a brand marketer, have a conversation with the influencer and usually like mid to lower tier is a little bit more successful because you don't necessarily have to pay them as much as you would some of the larger ones. Um, you can find those like niches and those pockets of, of communities that really look to that influencer for information. Um, that's the best bet. And it might only be like, if you're looking at how many influencers to contract a quarter, it might be like three or four, but if you can really work with them to tell your story that they're on brands and that they can really communicate it in their own way, then I think that that's a home run because, you know, as a brand, you can post on your social media platforms, you can, you know, put spend into paid media, but I think that these channels have like such so much potential for brands and it's really about like knowing how to utilize it. And one of the key learnings in my career was that contracting is such an important stage of it because sometimes you can send out your product everywhere. And I think a lot of brands make that mistake when they first start, they're just seeding it, you know, at events or charity happenings, wherever they think their brand might get exposure. And you have to be smart about it because you can spend a lot of money that way and not see any ROI. But if you can actually contract with social media influencers or with, 
brand ambassadors within a specific community, then you have a guaranteed placement and you can have some control over the story while still allowing the influencer to tell their story. Yeah, look, I, I all I'll say is that the brands that are authentic are the ones that resonate. People, um, you know, asses and masses, right? Be the common person. Uh, if you're talking, if we can run this Babe Rosé thing out to first base, say, look, in, in, we'll use New York as an example, because that's where Emily lives, right? So you have, by the way, what are you drinking? You're drinking a glass of wine? Yes, I am drinking Moncourt Cote Rhone. Oh, there you go. It's a rich man's Pinot. The, uh, <laughs> the, the thing about marketing, I feel, and look, I am, from a personal standpoint, I feel as though I'm authentic. I feel as though <laughs> what you see is what you get with me. Definitely. Like it or not, it's, it's the real. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to bullshit you for the sake of hearing my own voice. Um, when I see canned wines, I think sessionability. I think outdoors. I think summer. I think, uh, um, uh, I don't think they're eco, I think, but, I, but, I, 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 but I think that you can grab and go, right? Perfect for the subway. Definitely a group experience. I 100%. mean, who are you going to find that's even sitting outside on their own patio? A hundred percent. Group experience, um, concerts. Now, COVID killed all this stuff, but COVID is in the rear view, it appears. And right. so concerts are coming back and let's grab a case of canned wine and that's the whole thing behind Truly and, 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 um, and White Claw. Let's get together and let's drink something that will get us going, not necessarily drunk, and let's do it as a group. And let's share that experience together. Which, that's the story. That's the story. And it's also fucking authentic, right? Yeah. And, and so when I look to the clients that you have, the clients that I have, if you're, see, if you're drinking your champagne or your cognac or what have you in your Ferrari, driving down the PCH on the way to your mansion, you have an audience of one person and it's probably your tax accountant, right? It is not the everyday person because the everyday person might like your brands, but that is, it's very hard to associate with that and relate to that. And, you know, you're two feet on the seat across from you in the private plane drinking your champagne or your rosé or whatever it is, all great and all aspirational. But part of being aspirational is that the consumer that buys the brand has to some way, somehow, at some moment in time, see the ability to get there. Yeah. I always say it's the Di Serrano on the rocks. Like that for me was always like, I just still think it's so iconic because- What do you mean? it's attainable like to be in a club or a restaurant or a bar and you know when the the waiter the bartender asks you what would you like a di serrano on the rocks but showing that sort of like sophisticated experience that panache that panache it's always stood out in my mind and to this day when someone says di serrano and someone's talking about the category it comes to mind so is so, that is that an example of a marketing message that really home run for you? It is, I would say, because I think most people would say, how is that short tagline a story? That's just a tagline. But you have to think about, 
how visceral alcohol is. And when someone's watching a commercial or when they're seeing a billboard or when they're looking at, no matter what the channel is, there's creative that goes along with it. There's, you know, just his tone of voice as he's saying it. It brings you to a moment in time. And I think even to your point about canned wines and being in a group setting and drinking outside, storytelling is bringing that person who's hearing it into your shoes or into that experience point where they think, hey, I would like to do that. So a lot of times it is aspirational, but it's in a really real way where the consumer can see themselves at that point. It's, uh, you know, I think about the most interesting man in the world. Yes. You know, I think about, I think about taking a beer that was previously demographically specific and open it up to the universe. Uh, you know, it's like um, the secret, right? Open it up to the right. universe and putting out in the world that it is okay to be anything and anybody and have Dos Equis. It is okay to be a handsome, tuxedoed, wealthy, apparently male figure and drink Dos Equis. It is okay to drink Dos Equis instead of champagne. Right. And it's funny because this, you know, I remember in grad school, we learned about the marketing behind um, the champagne of beers, right? Miller, high life, if you will, is um, an acquired drink. But by putting the champagne of beers and, and over, over communicating that message, it became to a certain subset of the population, their Dom Perignon, right? When in fact, it's really Tots or Corbel or, right. you know, or Cooks, but it became their Dom Perignon. And I think that is a really wonderful uh, a way to, to welcome new consumers into your brand ethos. Yeah. And I think Modelo is another one with their recent- Oh, they're um, having, they're those, crazy on fire. Crazy on yeah, fire. Yeah. Well, those with a fighting spirit, I mean- what a way to really embrace your consumers and make them feel a certain way about themselves by the fact that they're choosing Modelo. So I just love that they're using like DJ Citizen Kane and some of the other examples, um, which again, like it's that use of influencer. I don't know. I guess she is celebrity. Maybe just in my world, I don't consider her, you know, celebrity because I'm not in sort of that house world, but some communities really do. And, you know, that's, huge to them. And I think the way that they storytell that and they show like her rise to fame and the fact that if she hadn't challenged the status quo, if she hadn't, you know, I think she was like a detective chosen to leave that career to become a DJ. Like everyone's had that experience in their life where they might've left something safe. Yeah. Like I, I was previously engaged. I broke that off. You leave something safe because you, you talking about know you? that it's the right thing to do something else. Wait, what are we talking about? Are you, you're talking about yourself? <laughs> but yeah, no, but everyone has that experience. Like for you, I'm sure there's an example in your life where you had something safe that you knew would have been the solid thing to continue with, but you just knew. I've that always made the wrong choice. I have always. That's uh, not true, Ryan. <laughs> no, but no, but I've, I've always, this is true. I've always. I've always taken the harder path. Um, there you go. There you always. go. And, and I don't know if that's some sort of therapy session that we can have, but I've always taken the path that is 
uh, more challenging because for me and my genetic makeup, I thrive more when I'm constantly fight or flight. Yes. And, and that's me. And, and, it's, and it's worked out well for me, but other people in my life wilt under the same thing. I think, I think everyone though has that moment in time where they've had to make that decision. They've made the harder decision. It might be, even if someone who's more conservative has a whole life of making conservative choices, there is still that one example they can think of in their mind where they said, okay, I took the harder road on that. And so I think by Modelo embracing that for, you know, they didn't necessarily say anything about the taste. They didn't say not. anything about, it's all, you know it's what all... I mean? They're, they're focusing on the experience and who their consumers are and the fact that that's such a wide net. Everyone can fit into that and everyone can feel proud of that. So I yeah. think it's, you know, finding pride in it. And my brand that I worked for, Purity Vodka, was very similar because we were uniquely able to take that taste approach where we talked about taste as the main story, but we didn't do it by just saying we're the best tasting, which I think a lot of vodkas do, but we said we're the most award-winning vodka in the world. So we took sort of that third-party validation approach by saying like every awards competition chooses us. So, you know, yeah, it's less I, about us and it's more about the fact that you will love us because we're the most award-winning. I mean, all you have to do really is watch a couple episodes of Mad Men to figure it out. You're not selling, you know, and which is the, the best show of all time. And Great you're, and show, you're, favorite show. Uh, why wouldn't it be? And, and, <laughs> and you're not selling the product. You're selling something totally different, right? And I- Selling the idea. Yeah, you're, and, and when I look at- brands in general, and I say this with love, the, at the end of the day, you're not selling the liquid. You're selling the image, the perception, the experience, the aspiration of what it represents. Right. And the best marketers I know of, and I know some good ones, and the best brands I know of, are the ones that the bottle is the bottle. What's in the bottle is maybe good. And I always say that no one makes a shitty brand. No one's going to spend $50,000, $100,000 and make something crappy. They're all, they all, well, they all think they're making something great. You don't make average. You make great and it may turn out to be average, but you don't set out for the middle of the road. No one right. does, right? You set out for the hill and if you miss, you hit the middle. I mean, I think you bring up an interesting point because I agree with you that it is the story and the experience that you're selling. I think that's for first, first taste. I think for longevity and for converting someone into a brand ambassador for your brand, which is almost like that second spoke of marketing. It's like, okay, you have this wide base of consumers that you're trying to just taste. You're trying to taste them on it. But then you obviously want someone who's going to continuously go back to the liquor store and, you know, get a new bottle every couple of weeks or yeah, go yeah. to Bra the brands are built on the second order. Yes. Not exactly. the first, not the first. And so I do think taste plays a critical role in that because if you, if your taste isn't, you know, accustomed to that, no matter what the great story is, then you're, you're probably not going to reorder. But I also think too, it's about kind of when you get consumers because if you get consumers while they're in college or maybe even right after college, which Long I think tail. a lot more brands are focusing on, 
and you're almost honing their taste to your brand. Yeah, so of course. That, I think, I think it's why it's such a critical market that everyone's going for, because, you know, you can really expose people to, you can really shape their palates in a way, which no, listen, marketers are not stupid. I mean, you, you can go back in time and, and, um, you know, uh, milk is a great example of a marketing, you know, got milk. It's, it, that's a great play. They convinced us that we needed 16 glasses of milk a day. Yeah, <laughs> there's, a me, there's a meme out there that says that. It's like, it's up. So I mean, true. Can you imagine the, yeah. the, the lactose intolerance in the world? You know. <laughs> I have lactose intolerance because of that. <laughs> oh, good. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, I'll never take you for ice cream. The, um, but the, the, there's a lot of marketing trends that are made from the, the, the trade group trying to get the upsell on the brand. So that, that aside, if you, as you look at, Bridget, as you look at what's going on in the adult beverage space today, late May, post-COVID, what do you think in, for this year will be, in your opinion, three trends that suppliers should jump on, three marketing ideas that suppliers should jump on because, um, the world is reopening. We're seeing a great Gatsby-esque type of resurgence. We're seeing a roaring 20s all over the country, at least wherever where we are, and we're in six states or seven states or something. And you know, what do you, as, 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 a, as a master marketer, what can brands do for the rest of this year to get some share of mind and wallet? That's a good question. You only get so, three, you only get three. Only get three, okay. The first one is easy. I would say find communities, whether they're social. I mean, it's kind of tough right now with COVID to be in person. So a lot of it is going to be social, but you know, what comes to mind for me is, for example, I, I just had a call this week with Barry Chandler, who used to be the bar blogger and he sold his business to Buzz Time Media um, and started Stories and Sips. And what Stories and Sips does is you know, it's a late night walk-in podcast and live stream that he started. Oh, that's when cool. Hit. What's it called? Yeah. It's called Stories and Sips. I have so to like he goes to a bar and sets up? No, he, it's basically when all the bars were closed because of COVID. He's Irish actually. So, you know, he, he likes to kind of. So he's an authority on bars the, is what you're saying. He is. And he was the bar blogger. But um, the way that he set this community up is now, even though bars are opened up, his community, it's, it's huge. It's the, you know, fans of Irish whiskey and they come every Friday and they lock in with him for three hours on this live stream. And the retention rate of who stays to the end is pretty crazy because he has musicians on, you know, Irish musicians. He has different guests, different master distillers from each of the, the brands. Um, and I think what is so unique about it is he's actually launched new brands, new Irish whiskeys on his channel, and he's coordinated it in a way that people can receive their bottles and actually do an opening yeah. and a cheers at the beginning of the live stream. And then they get mm. success stories from that. They get quotes, they get, uh, you know, there's you so much that that brand gets, but we I talk about, we, yeah, we talk about missed opportunities. I, I remember in the, it had to be 04, it had to be 05, 06, 2005, 2006. I used to do, when I was at Sam's, I used to do um, virtual wine tastings. And no one ever heard of COVID, no one ever heard of Zoom. And frankly, the internet was nothing. And 
we would, I would have a sommelier. I I'd find subscribers. I'd send them two glasses and a bottle of wine or a couple bottles of wine. So six, six pack, two glasses, four bottles of wine. And I would all dial into a conference line with a sommelier, myself, and all these consumers. And we would taste these wines. And we would do this thing. And to your point, it is, we created a marketing experience out, yeah. of, crea out of creating community. Absolutely. So, because okay. that's, I mean, everyone wants a friend to drink with. They want a community. They want to experience it with someone. They want to yeah. feel like they're part of something. 100%. Um, I even think about um, Sam Hewen. And again, I know he's a celebrity, so take it with a grain of salt. But I'm a big Outlander fan. And so I'm a part of Outlander's Facebook group. Is Outlander and a TV show? Outlander is a TV show. And Sam Hewen is a very handsome actor. But um, he, his spirit is fantastic, actually. It's very good. But his spirit, like support. his spirit or his spirit? His actual liquid. But okay, his the spirit's liquid. great, too. Okay. <laughs> but he wanted to support Scotland in a bigger way because the whole premise of the show is that it's set in Scotland, um, at least for the first few seasons. And he wanted to show support for his country. So he started this brand and he's featured a lot of like the people at the distillery and really like the ins inspiring stories behind it and how it's affecting the community, which is amazing. But, you know, what really was the vehicle of marketing for him was the fact that this Facebook group with like hundreds of thousands of fans is marketing it for him. Of and course. they're all excited and they're all ready to stand in line for him. And I don't think that has to necessarily be specific to a celebrity. I mean, I know that obviously has some built-in cash with it, but again, back to stories and sips, like it's some of the newer Irish whiskey brands that are starting. But when you have a group of, you know, 5,000 people that are on a walk-in live stream and they're all opening it for the first time and no then question. they're talking about it with their friends, it's, it's that experience, it's that moment in time. So I would say every category, no matter what it is, can find something like this and participate because even though things are opening up again, I think we're going to see a different society, a post-COVID society where digital engagement is just the quo. It's the status quo. Is the quo. Okay, so one <laughs> community. What's two? The quo? Two, I would say diversity and inclusion is a big one. So, and not just because of, you know, the the culture and what's you know what's really gone on over the last couple of years i think this has been a big theme for the last five or six years and i think people are really starting to pay attention to it and um you know i just have to reference some of the the um the women in the vine events yep. i think that there's a lot of like amazing master distillers that are female that are like sort of finally getting their day i think if you are sourcing your spirit, if you're listening to this and you're sourcing it from, you know, somewhere outside of America, I think featuring like the workers that are, that are, you know, participating with the brand is a huge one because people care about that. They want to see that, you know, if it's you know, people of color, if it's women, like what, what does this look like from the whole supply chain from production to shipping? I mean, that's something that MHW is hugely involved with and, that's been an idea that I've had is like, how do we show the process of what this looks like? Because, you know, it's, it's not just that there's production and then it's the spirit is at your door, but there's a lot of in between that happens. The retailers, Brian, as you know, there's so much diversity of the retailers. Yeah, Having of worked with one of the largest one, it's like, how do we feature the people involved in a greater way? Because that just goes back to the story. 
And number three, if I'm looking at, if you're, if, if you are advising suppliers and you've got one bullet left in your gun to, to, to make 2021 a bang up year. And before let me preface this really quickly. Big distributors are cramming goods down the throats of accounts all over the country. Big distributors, and I don't blame them, so it's not, it's not a criticism, this is just a fact. Big distributors are making great pricing, great deal levels. They've had a year and a half with average to sub-average sales, and they need to get the stuff off their books. So how do our collective clients this is your third, right? How do our collective clients, what can they do? Because you can't outspend Kendall Jackson Chardonnay, but you can, what? You can give a lot more love to your local retailers. And one of the most important things that I did at Purity Vodka that the retailers and the on-premise constantly told me, nobody is doing with this with me. And in my relationship still to this day, you know, I'm best friends with one of the, um, the Southern district reps in New York. So I'm constantly finding out, you know, what, what are the strategies here for selling? Partner with your retailers and create geo-local targeted campaigns. Love it. This could be Facebook ads. This could be Instagram ads where you don't even need to necessarily say, okay, hey, to one liquor store, I'm going to feature you on an Instagram ad. It could be a liquor store and on-premise and maybe, you know, something that's not a competitor a couple miles away, but open up the, the spend for them. And even if you're only putting 50 or $60 behind it, and you can say, hey, you can find X tequila at these three stores and have gorgeous creative that really reinforces your brand story. But they love that because then you're linking to the retailer, you're supporting them. You can literally within the targeting make it so that um, your digital manager is targeting to the fans of the retailer. They're targeting people who live within a, a very close proximity to that location. People who, you know, already like vodka or tequila or whatever it is. So it's a shared reinforcement. You're not only getting shared voice for your brand and getting your name out there, but it's also giving love to the retailers. And whenever I would do a sales splits, I could triple my order of what was placed or open up a new account that maybe my distributor had a tough time getting into because I was able to say like, Hey, you're important to us and we're involving you in our marketing. Love it. I mean, it's all, look, it, it's marketing. Uh, first of all, thank you. Um, second of all, marketing is a lot common sense and a lot of hustle and a lot of shut up and listen. And um, I think you, your points, your three kind of post COVID, how do we speak to the consumer? How do we speak to the account? How do we speak to the distributor? You've touched on all three. So I'm, I'm so grateful that you did that. And thank you. Um, and, and thank you for coming on the show. It was so great to talk to you. Um, to our supplier partners, um, this is something you should uh, download and, and put in a blender and drink it because uh, important, important tidbits on how to support your own brand and, and fight for your own right post-COVID. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next show.